0: Hey, this is Bruce Weinstein, and this is the new magazine format of the podcast, Cooking with Bruce and Mark.
1: And I'm Mark Scarborough, and we have four great segments up today. I am so excited about them. One of them actually has arisen to bite me in the butt once before. I'll tell you about that when it happens. In <laughs> fact, it's... <laughs> well, I don't even know what that's going to be. <laughs> well, it's this first <laughs> segment. So we want to talk in our first segment, as we always do, about something in the news or something we find important about food or the food industry, and this segment is... Well, a little dire. It's about plastic and food.
0: I mean, plastic and food, it's really useful. It's convenient. You've got plastic wrap, plastic containers, yep. plastic everything. Yeah. But it has problems, doesn't it?
1: It does. We shot a series of videos for Clean Eating Magazine a couple of years ago. You can still find them online. They're about how to do kitchen shortcuts, little hacks and tricks, and stuff you can do to make your cooking in the kitchen faster. Anyway, we shot these videos, and I inadvertently put plastic wrap on top of something, and the editors of the video shoot went insane that I didn't even realize that I had done it. So see, it rose up to bite me in the butt and I have to tell you that I did it because it's just out of habit. It's so easy to use plastic around food. In
0: fact, on that shoot, they were making sure that even canned food and everything we were using didn't have plastic lining in it. Now BPA. We we were never able to talk about using frozen vegetables that came in plastic bags. Nothing could be plastic because, well, according to Harvard Medical School, studies have found that certain chemicals in plastic can actually leach into your food and beverages when you eat it.
1: Yeah, some of those chemicals have been linked to health problems And even metabolic disorders like obesity. That's my problem. (laughs) And reduced for I've been eating too much plastic. This leaching, you know,
0: it occurs even faster and to a greater degree when the plastic is exposed to heat. And that means that you're getting a higher dose of harmful chemicals simply by microwaving your food in plastic containers.
1: Yes, and there are plastic containers that allege to be food safe even under high heat. There's some discussion about that. And Dr. Rolf, Halden is one of those people who would discuss that. Um, He's from Arizona State University. And what's he say? He says that phthalates, (laughs) phthalates, with the chemicals that make... You just can never get enough PHDH. That's why I refuse to call it tuberculosis. I call it by its old name, phthalesis. (laughs) Phthalesis? So anyway,
0: Dr. (laughs) Halden says that phthalates are the chemicals that make plastic flexible, and they migrate out of plastic when it's heated. And get this fattier foods absorb more of these chemicals than non-fatty foods. So if you've got a lasagna or mac and cheese or or pulled pork that you're heating up in there, you're getting more of those phthalates than if you're just having broth
1: and i think a lot of us know about the problems of acidic food like tomatoes and lemon juice They leach everything out of everything yeah into plastic and that's a problem these these are all the things that dr Holden says will trigger all sorts of physical problems and his contention is that phthalates are found in nearly every person in the developed world it's kind of wild that's frightening that there's a measurable level in your blood of these chemicals so here's the deal avoid microwaving in plastic
0: nope don't cover your food hot food with plastic don't even put don't put it in plastic containers while it's hot i understand you still may want to use plastic it is convenient yeah. it is easy but yeah. certainly make sure that cold food is going into your plastic containers and remember Even reusable containers have a shelf life and they start leaking more chemicals as they get older. So if yours are cracking or discoloring, time to replace them. And
1: if you really want to use plastic wrap because it is super convenient Mm -hmm. because it adheres to everything, consider putting a liner of parchment paper down over like a lasagna before you put it in the fridge and then put the plastic wrap Mm -hmm. over it. That will help a little bit, but there's a better help. And here's the help and it kind of blows my mind. There is a company now making plastic free platinum-silicon-based zip-closed containers. Why don't you talk about well,
0: it? Well, so as food writers, we're always being sent really interesting... Well,
1: and um, some not-so-interesting <laughs> stuff
0: to try out.
1: And recently, we got a package of these zip-top reusable containers. And, and we should say that we are not reimbursed, no. nor are we supported, nor do we necessarily support this company. No, they, but they sent it to us to try, and I actually
0: like them. So they're kind of like
1: a cross between a ziplock bag and tupperware they're quite thick Mm. they will stand up on their bottoms like a plastic bag that's thick enough to stand up on its bottom and they have a zip closed top they're made out of this soft platinum silicon they are plastic free and they are kind of amazing you can buy an entire set of them at top well here's the thing about the set though some of the sizes
0: are kind of weird there was someone like tube-like that's i <laughs> guess for juice or iced yeah. tea but yeah, i'd yeah. rather use a glass container for that i'm sorry i'm just old-fashioned like that but the squat ones, the rectangular ones, the square ones, those were really great. Now you can't fill them all the way up to the top because remember you have to close the top like a Ziploc bag. Well, maybe
1: those long ones are for like vegetable spears and well, that's an pork idea. ribs. And oh, what a clever idea! Well, I'm trying to think of long foods. Yeah, and I don't know uh, cooked spaghetti that you straighten out. <laughs> cooked <laughs> spaghetti that you straighten out, right? And chitlins. So I'm trying to that think. You think of straighten out. Long. <laughs> long foods anyway <laughs> i mean in fact last week i made
0: some sour cherry jam and i ran out of jars and so i had like three cups of extra jam and no more jars so i used one of their bigger containers and it's great it's sealed the top put in the fridge problem with that it's not processed so we have to eat it in the next few weeks but in this house, that's not really a problem. So
1: these are plastic-free silicone bags. They are a brilliant alternative to the regular plastic. I will say they're a little expensive, but they're reusable. You wash them out. You they claim use, you could put them in a dishwasher. Yeah, you can use them again and again and again. They are a fabulous thing. They seal really tightly. I have tried it. I turned upside down bruce's sour cherry jam and it didn't i did it in the sink but it didn't (laughs) spill out Uh, i actually turned it upside down in the sink to see what would happen it didn't spill out great idea because plastic and food is a problem and it's a problem we should all be aware of
0: Hey, before we get to our next segment, I want to take a minute and ask you to please subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss a single episode. Just go like right down below where you got the podcast and hit subscribe. It doesn't matter what platform you're on. And come to our Facebook group, Cooking with Bruce and Mark. There's great conversation, there's recipes, there's tips. Everyone's talking about what we're talking about here. Okay, so now let's get to segment two, which is our one minute cooking tip. Ready? Ready? Are you ready? Peel
1: ginger with a spoon.
0: What? What? what, what <laughs> all right, now explain that.
1: Explain that. You don't need a special spoon tool you don't need a vegetable peeler if ginger is fresh what can you do
0: you just take a spoon and you rub it on the a grapefruit spoon no just a regular old teaspoon or tablespoon the the skin is really thin and as long as the ginger fresh just scrape the metal spoon across the surface the skin will scrape away and expose the juicy fragrant ginger
1: so how do you pick good ginger
0: Um, you want to make sure that the skin is not all wrinkled and dried out it should be plump and firm um, it shouldn't, it just shouldn't be dried. It should even be a pinkish tinge sometimes in really yep. fresh ginger. Yeah. I um, mean, if it's really dry, you might have to peel it. And look, if that's all there is, is a dried out piece, get it anyway. And then you'll have to use a vegetable peeler. But otherwise, just
1: use a spoon. And dried out pieces are fibrous. So try to get fresher pieces of ginger. Look in Asian markets for better ginger all the time. So, up next in segment three of the podcast, going with Bruce and Mark, Bruce's interview with Cassie Joy Garcia, the author of the new book. Cook Once Dinner Fix.
0: So this week, we're talking to Cassie Joy Garcia. She is the best selling author of Cook Once, Eat All Week, and the creative force behind the popular website FedAndFit.com. Cassie Joy is also a holistic nutritionist, and she is the author of a new cookbook called Cook Once Dinner Fix Quick and Exciting Ways to Transform Tonight's Dinner into Tomorrow's Feast. Hey Cassie, Joy, how are you? I'm good. Your new book is beautiful. The photographs are beautiful. The recipes are mouthwatering. And I want to start by asking you to tell me how your books are different than regular cookbooks and even different than regular Mm -hmm. make ahead
2: You know, I'm a mom of young kids. I got married and started doing those things and getting dinner, even as somebody who loves to cook, getting dinner on the dang table day after day was a challenge. (laughs) And I thought, goodness gracious, if this is a challenge for me, there's no way I'm alone in this. And I talked to my audience. It became very clear that I was not alone in that. And so it was another riddle to solve. And so to answer your question in a roundabout way is I think that my books are different because they solve very specific problems with a very unique solution.
0: So tell me how you do it. Tell me what happens in your books that's different from that.
2: The cook once dinner philosophy is, this is actually the way I really genuinely cook because the philosophy is, how do we get a delicious meal on the table that does not break the bank and doesn't take a lot of time to execute, but it's still a really nice, well-composed, lovely meal. To to enjoy and experience. And what I was doing is, I would let's say I made a beautiful roast for supper. It was some lovely side dishes and vegetables and a salad. And I made this lovely meal. And as I'm sure you very well know, you get to the end of the meal. It's so wonderful. You're so proud of your work. It was a delicious experience. And then the next thing you know, dinner's over and it's gone. (laughs) And you're like, Oh my gosh. I just spent 2 <laughs> hours of my life and now it's over and I've got nothing.
0: In 20 minutes. In 20, in 20 minutes, minutes yes. it's done. <laughs> and
2: I got to go clean up the kitchen now. It's more work. And so I What I started doing was thinking, I have got to get this to roll forward and turn this into prep for the next meal so I don't feel like it's just all over. And so I started making a larger roast. I would start preparing this roast and thinking, I'm going to make barbacoa tacos tomorrow night for dinner, you know? And because the barbacoa is already a tender meat that can be cooked down a little bit further and seasoned really well and then recrisped and rolled up in a tortilla, it's not leftovers. It's not um, the same dish twice. It is just a head start to make dinner that much easier than the second night. And so that's how Cook Once Dinner Fix is structured: is we make a fabulous dinner on, let's say, the f- the first night you plan to enjoy it, and then in that I've incorporated you're making more of certain components so that you can then get a head start when you're ready for the second meal.
0: In the book, you call that purposeful leftovers. And that's great. That makes perfect sense because you're not eating leftovers. You're turning those purposeful leftover roasts into something new and delicious and exciting. So you're not eating leftovers, but your ingredients are already prepped for you.
2: Exactly. So
0: some of my favorite examples of how you do that that is you, is you have this uh, leftover roasted garlic turkey breast and you turn it into a spiced turkey potato soup. Yes. That yes. is spectacular. And you do a dry rubbed barbecue brisket and that becomes cheesecake stuffed peppers, which is ingenious. That's really brilliant. So you do this with all kinds of protein, don't you? Um, Give me some examples of of other protein that you can use.
2: Yes. That's another thing that I challenged myself with. So as a holistic nutritionist, something that is just the way my brain is wired over the years is ingredient diversity, food diversity on the plate, trying to mix things up as much as possible because you're going to get micronutrients that are different from all kinds of different foods. And so providing folks with a ver- of a widely varied ingredient option in a book was really important to me. So the main chapters are broken up by featured proteins. So we have A poultry chapter, which does include chicken, uh, turkey, like you mentioned. There's actually a a duck series in there for anyone who wants to go for it. Oh, it's we have a turn a delicious roasted duck into duck fried rice for the second meal. It's fabulous. Fabulous. Yes. Um, And then we also, of course, have a pork chapter, a beef chapter. I went for it and we, we provided a seafood chapter, which you wouldn't think would be fitting for this concept. And I was very picky. There was a lot left on the cutting room floor, but the ones that made it in there are exceptional. And then there was also a, uh, again, just talking to my audience constantly is so important to me, but they really wanted vegetarian focused meals. And that's not typically how I feed my family. And so it was a challenge, but I'll be honest. I think that some of my favorite recipes in the whole book are in the vegetarian chapter. And in that chapter, we take, it's not, there's a lot of, um, pre-made, let's, or, prepared in advance, like beans, legumes, quinoa, those kinds the of things
0: that take a long time. So you're doing, you're doing what you did with the meat. You take something that takes a long time and you prepare extra of it so that you can make multiple dishes the next day and the day. after.
2: Exactly. That's exactly right.
0: I mean, you have a, you know, stuffed squash, which you turn into a curry with tofu, which is so great because squash takes forever and so you can actually treat that like a protein in terms of how it cooks. And I want to go back to the fish for a second, because, yeah, you might think, well, fish takes, you know, so quick to cook. But you're right. If you have it already made, you've saved yourself so many steps. You don't have to thaw the shrimp. You don't have to thaw the halibut again. You don't have to cook it again. I mean, it's that ingredient is now ready for you. So your um, cook once dinner works with proteins and with fish and with vegetables. I could see it perfectly.
2: That's so exciting. Yes, that's exactly right. (laughs) My little inner shoulder angel is jumping up and down with excitement. Yes.
0: So besides recipes in the book, you offer some great tips we should all be following and i'd like deep clean your fridge and pantry explain what explain why that's so important
2: oh my goodness well speaking from experience that's where these pearls are coming from <laughs> <laughs> a lot of uh, lessons learned the hard way you know i have found that the name of the game is efficiency right that's really the undercurrent of the dinner fix cook once dinner fix because If we're going to fix dinner and make it so that you're not exhausted one way or another, it's got to be efficient, but we're not going to sacrifice flavor in the name of efficiency. So there's a way to do it. And in order to be efficient, I think that one, one low hanging fruit that's really going to help you out is to be organized. And if you're organized and if everything has its place and you can open up your pantry, for example, and see where everything is, it actually makes meal time easier on you. And so, and I know that's an easy thing to put off. And again, I'm speaking from experience. I usually put it off. I think, oh, well, usually it, wind up, it winds up happening before I have a baby because that's always a ticking <laughs> <laughs> That's the ticking time bomb. I was like, nope, she'll be here in a month. I better do this thing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm about a once a year pantry cleaner, and it's a problem. It is. And then I put the small things in the back, and then the big things when I come over the going in the front, so I forget what's in the back, and I don't see it. So then I end up buying more and not making something I want to make. You're right. you got to clean that pantry. Exactly. I also think it's important. we got to throw out what's expired.
2: Yes. Get rid of what's expired, and so that when you open up your pantry or your cabinets or wherever you keep your dry goods, for example, you can see it. You can see what you have. You can see that jar of enchilada sauce and think, oh my gosh, I'm going to make that enchilada casserole from Cook One's Dinner Fix and I'm going to skip the part where it says make the enchilada sauce because I have one, you know, like that. You just saved yourself a ton of time.
0: I think that's terrific that you're encouraging your audience to take shortcuts where they can. Um, and then be able to uh, on day one, even not even that you're taking the big shortcut of using these purposeful leftovers for day two, but take shortcuts on day one. That's perfectly fine too, yes. because you got to feed your family.
2: Yep. You got to get, I mean, I hate to keep saying it because it's a little bit crude, but you have to get dinner on the dang table. You know, there's some nights when I get home and, and I'm still living in this world a little bit when it's especially busy day, I get home, it's five o'clock and I think, oh my gosh, what is for dinner? (laughs) So being able to quickly pull something together can make a big difference.
0: So what about freezing food? How does that fit into your cook one strategy?
2: Oh, I am a big fan of freezing foods. Whether you have a lot of freezer space, we happen to have a lot of freezer space. I'm in Texas. And so we've got the physical space to have freezers. Um, or you have, you know, you don't have a whole lot of freezer space, but you've got some. I think being very strategic about using that freezer to essentially do future self you a favor is a really great way to again reduce some of the stress and make getting dinner on the table as efficient as possible. And an example of something like that is let's say you are um, oh gosh, let's say the grocery store has a sale on free range chickens, whole chickens. Amen. Yes,
0: and you're like,
2: oh, right. I don't know what to do with this, but I'm gonna grab two of them. And so you grab those chickens, you know you're gonna make one of them for supper that night. Um, Maybe you open up Dinner Fix and you you see the chicken chapters to see what you can do with it. And then the other one, you think, I don't really know what to do with this. I don't want to eat it right away. You can either freeze the bird raw, of course, but what I want you to do is go ahead and prepare it. Stick it in the oven. At the, if you've got the space, stick it in the oven at the same time that you're roasting the other chicken, let it cool, and then deconstruct it, shred the meat, and then freeze that cooked shredded meat, label it, date it, use it within six months, but you've got cooked shredded chicken ready to go. And you know what you can do with cooked shredded chicken? a heck of give
0: me some ideas a <laughs> lot
2: you can do a lot you can use it to make casseroles I'm can you tell I like casseroles um, yeah
0: tortilla casseroles enchilada casseroles. yes yum.
2: yes I mean think about it you just cleaned out your pantry you found that enchilada sauce that's not expired yet and you're thinking <laughs> what am I going to use this and you have some tortillas and you've got this already cooked shredded chicken Bing, bang, boom. Perfect. You've got yourself an enchilada yeah. casserole. You could use it in soups. We do chicken. Uh, sometimes I'll have like a, I always tend to have a salsa verde on hand, a jar of salsa verde, green salsa. And mix that with a can of coconut milk and some lime juice and maybe a can or two of pinto beans and your shredded chicken. And you have a chicken enchilada, um, chili verde. You know, like there's so much you can do with it. So get ahead, use your oven while it's on. And And
0: that's not just with chicken. You could do that with a roast beef. Yes. You could do it with a turkey breast. You could do that with anything. You find an extra pork tenderloin, any of that. Yes.
2: And then fill your freezer. There's, when you open up your freezer, then it becomes not a bunch of frozen raw meat that's sitting there waiting to be prepared, but it's already cooked. You've already done the work. And so try to do your future self as many favors as possible.
0: You are giving a big gift to your future self with that. Yes. Wow. So I know we can find out more info about you and your new book, Cook Once Dinner Fix at your website, which is fedandfit.com. Where can folks find you on social media?
2: Same same name. I was uncreative when I named everything. <laughs> makes,
0: <laughs> makes it easy. So on Twitter, on Facebook, Instagram, it's all fedandfit. Yes. Cassie Joy Garcia, thank you so much for being on Cooking with Bruce and Mark. We look forward to your new book, Cook Once Dinner Fix. Quick and exciting ways to transform tonight's dinner into tomorrow's feast.
2: Thank you so much. It was an honor.
1: Thanks, Bruce. That was a great interview. I certainly am an advocate of cooking once and making dinner. And I love the idea here that you're not making leftovers. We're not talking about just leftovers that we're making. Yeah, and I had some really dinner. good ideas and she's she was so much fun to talk to. That is so great. Okay, segment four is What's making us happy this week? Uh, what's making us happy this week? Do I have to go first? Yeah, if you want to. Okay, I'm going to go first. Well, and I'm going to start well, on a sad note. Um, I have spent the last six weeks uh, helping my dad die. And we buried my dad, uh, I don't know, a few weeks ago. And it's been a really tough six weeks. And I was part of his primary caregiver. And it was tough for about a month. But... One of the good things is that on the way to his funeral in Oklahoma City, we stopped in Gainesville, Texas, at the best burger barn. And I want to tell you that the burger I had is one of the finest hamburgers I have ever had. So if you were passing through Gainesville, Texas, stop at Best Burger Barn. I'm telling you, it was, a, I had a jalapeno burger with grilled jalapenos on top of it. It was delicious.
0: I wanna to add to that because I was there. Um, they're making <laughs> smash burgers there. And yep. if you know, don't know what a smash burger is, go to our YouTube channel, cook me Bruce and Mark. There's a whole video of me making them. It's when you get super, super hot, either cast iron or a griddle, and you smash the burger down so mm. it gets a nice crust. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mark had it with jalapenos. I had the Reuben burger, so it was a burger with corned beef. House made corned sa- beef. Yep, and sauerkraut. Uh, it
1: was. Mark is right. That made me happy too. But <laughs> and in fact, my mom, who is 89, and, and who had just lost her husband, and has a diminished appetite at 89, my mom ate ate her entire cheeseburger and the fries that came with it. So and
0: we like really burned <laughs> fries, and when we said burn them, they.
1: They finally, did finally somebody burned fries? The fries for were super crunchy. So if you're ever passing on I-35 to <laughs> Grainsville, Texas, it's just right off the interstate, stop in.
0: What makes me happy this week and every week and every morning is my monsoon Malabar coffee.
1: <laughs> okay, it co- makes me happy too. So you're not allowed to climb the around
0: <laughs> It's on. a coffee bean from India, and these. In the old days, they would actually leave the sacks of beans on the docks, and the monsoon waves would wash the beans over, and they would, they'd wash away impurities, and it would... The
1: beans would actually become white.
0: they become white instead of green, the raw beans. And they lose acid. There's no acid left, and so they don't have overtones of citrus or fruit. A lot of people like that. I don't like that. Yeah, they leave just this base note of coffee and a little chocolate. Yeah,
1: as I always say, if you think about like a jazz band... Now take away everything except the bass fiddle, <laughs> and it's just the, just that that's low note, coffee in the morning. right? And all those upper notes, you know, like a sax and all that. That's all gone. So, like those people sometimes, and I don't, talk, I'm not talking about flavored coffee. Yeah. People like apple and raspberry and all those high acid overtones in coffee. I actually don't. So I'm with Bruce on this one. But
0: the way they do it now is they have giant warehouses in India where the beans are left out in the open mm. and they're just exposed to the elements and the humidity in the air does the same job that it used to be when they sat in the in the thing. So it's Monsoon Malabar. You can get it. A lot of coffee roasters do these beans. I've even seen them the place we get coffee where they sell them green if you want them to roast your own, but we're oh, not into that yet.
1: Wow. No, I'm not Because I
0: hear when you roast your own, you never get that smell out of your house.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's so many smells in my house already. So um, <laughs> I don't really want to ever do that. But Monsoon Malabar is available from a lot of coffee producers online. You can look it up, and you can find out how coffee can be just one base note and just glorious. Like, if you're into chocolate, and you're in like I am, and if you're into bourbon, like I am, <laughs> and if you're into low note, low base notes in foods like that, deep, dark flavors, mm, Monsoon Malabar. So that's our show
0: this week, Cooking with Bruce and Mark. Please subscribe and leave us a comment wherever you get your podcast from, whether it's Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Apple. Scroll down to the bottom, leave us a review, leave us a comment. Let's get a conversation started.
1: Yes, and check us out again on Facebook in our group, Cooking with Bruce and Mark. We're happy to interact with you. Questions go up that involve Mo, all kinds of crazy answers during the week. We're happy to be with you on Cooking with Bruce and Mark and come back next week because we got another mag magazine format show ahead.